Coming up on podcast 1936, BMW's i5 begins deliveries, the Kia Long Range EV6, and VinFast's problems at home. Welcome to a new Patreon executive producer, James Swift. Thank you, James. Your name's in the show notes. You can check it out at evnewsdaily.com. That's the website where I also put up all the show notes if you want to read this podcast or you can't listen for whatever reason, but you want to get your fix of EV News Daily. Look, I've tried to learn WordPress myself. That was the point of this podcast, was to learn new skills and things like that when I launched it. It's a terrible website. Please don't visit evnewsdaily.com. I've not touched it in ages, but I do upload every day my notes. And so if you want to do that, you can and see your name as an executive producer. Thank you, James, for signing up at patreon.com slash evnewsdaily. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, 19th of October. I'm Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. Some good news for buyers of the Kia EV6. They've introduced, in the US at least, the long-range light model. So it's designed to provide a more affordable option for those that want the long range. And I'm all about this because if you don't need the specs, if you don't need all the toys, but you want the range, then you've now got that option. It's between the existing light and wind trims. The light long range is a balance of the range, but also the price. The MSRP is 50, sorry, 45,950. So a long range EV6 for $45,950. That is a $3,000 saving compared to the wind model, which is 48.7. In terms of range, though, the standard rear-wheel drive trim will do 232 miles, spend $3,350 more, and you get the long-range version of the light trim, which is 310 miles. That is, mental maths, 78 miles more for that $3,350. Now, if you're releasing this vehicle, if it's a monthly payment, if you won't notice that increase, I'd go for it. If you can stump the three grand more, I'd still go for it because if you can, I always say, if you can get the range, you should get it. But if you don't need a heavier vehicle, which wears out tires, which is more expensive to buy, which if you want to think about it in these terms, uses more resources from planet Earth than you need, then get the smaller battery one. And, you know, three grand, I'd probably... Try and invest that at the purchase of the vehicle, and then that time when you need to do the range, it's there waiting for you. Anyway, if you want the all-wheel drive long range, that starts at $49,850. let us talk about NEO, evaluating the need for dealers here in Europe. They're contemplating a dealer network in Europe to mark a shift from their previous strategy of extending its direct sales to international markets. I don't know why they couldn't do both, actually. I don't know why NEO couldn't have physical dealer contracts where they also sell direct themselves and the dealers fulfill and service those vehicles for a flat fee. Reuters said that they have based this report on three individuals they spoke to, not named, so unnamed sources, but I do trust you know, three pretty good sources for Reuters to talk to that have mentioned the very, very slow sales that NEO are having in Europe right now. Now, the president from the company made a comment on the European sales falling short of expectations recently, denying that the the number which was put out there, which was in the hundreds, actually, was completely false. But 
saying that. They've not been setting the world alight. The decision to use dealerships would alleviate the financial pressures on NEO and not have to build all of their own stores themselves, but they could spend it on R&D and things like that and battery swapping within China. NEO entered the European market in Norway with the ES8 back in September 2021. They went to Germany, Netherlands, Denmark and Sweden in October the following year with the ET7, the EL7 and the ET5. Now, initially, in those countries, NEO would only let you have one of their vehicles with the NEO subscription service. So you could lease and not purchase the vehicles. However, many buyers went, nah, no thanks. So that forced Neo's hand, really. And they introduced the buying option in October of last year. Actually, it's October 21st. So we are two days away from being a year ago when Neo launched their buying option. And I think customers were like, oh, great, now we can buy the car. Well, that's fine. Notable that other Chinese EV companies like BYD have, when they've entered Europe, collaborated with dealerships, existing dealership groups or dealership big uh, groups of those physical store owners. Xpeng has largely ventured into international markets via dealerships and has been shifting towards a dealership-reliant model within China as well. So uh, what about that? You know, people saying, well, the digital future that we're heading into where everything will be bought you know, online. Well, I, I get that for iPhones, but I don't get it for cars because sometimes, I mean, I, I think you and I probably know enough about electric vehicles, unless you're new to the podcast and you want to start learning about EVs, in which case, hello, welcome. Hopefully you're enjoying what we're talking about. Uh, but, you know, I think I'd be fine buying a car digitally. I never have, but it wouldn't be a problem if I ever bought a you know, Tesla or something or any of the others that do direct sales. I know what I'm getting into. And then all you've got is that handover experience of just making sure that, yeah, car looks pretty good, clean and straight, and no scratches and things like that. But many people do want to walk into a showroom, to test drive it in a showroom, to have a relationship with a human being who isn't a sleazy salesperson, who isn't trying to just get another car sold to hit their target, but they enjoy having maybe a dealer they go back to or a brand that, they're, that they have an affiliation with and have several of those cars over the years. Well... I understand why Neo would think maybe we need a physical a physical building because their sales, like I say, are not setting the world alight. Now, Stellantis are next in the news. You know, Ford Pro talk a lot about Ford Pro with their vehicles and their fleet services. They do good business with that. And Stellantis thinking, actually, we need a piece of the action. Stellantis is launching Pro One. Okay. Uh, Encompassing, it's a bit close, isn't it? Uh, Nothing like Ford Pro, completely. Uh, Stellantis is launching their own Stellantis Pro 1 with their six of their renowned brands, Citroën, Fiat, Opel, Peugeot, Ram and Vauxhall. Customers of Pro 1 will enjoy uh, their vans, the pickup trucks, micro-mobility, any... education about a network of how you can even convert your existing combustion vans or maybe some uh, connection vehicle technologies to be connected, like route planning and fleet management, a business-centric approach to running vehicles for a business purpose, cutting down on costs, etc. Now, commercial vehicles represent a big old chunk of Stellantis's financial performance. It's about a third of their net revenues. This translates to 1.6 million unit sales every single year. So, They want to really redefine the Stellantis Pro fleet offering. They've hinted at a significant revelation to come on Monday. So we're only a few days away now, Monday, October 23rd. And I don't know what that is, but the buzz centers around... It's not a van called the buzz, by the way. (laughs) VW have got that one tied up. But the buzz centers around 
what we think could be an entirely revamped van range for each brand with it using one of their four new platforms that Stellantis has and uh, all of those vans having high levels of connectivity, state-of-the-art autonomy and driving assist as well. Hey, I'll tell you Monday when we get the news. BMW next in the news. The i5 will be begin deliveries in Europe this weekend. Prime to kick off deliveries. Uh, the rollout isn't restricted to one location. Several European nations will have the launch concurrently. Another feather in BMW's cap is the 5 Series Touring, the i5 estate the wagon a spring 2024 premiere for that so we know it's coming we know there's going to be the estate version of the i5 i love wagons estates tourings whatever you want to call them i've talked fondly before before i got into evs 10 years ago i think maybe i had uh, uh, my skoda octavia estate and i absolutely loved it and really miss having an estate car now these days all the cars are growing upwards like suvs and crossovers and you've got that elevated driving position but some of them are no bigger they're like the boot space on the kona is terrible and you know what i really miss that i okay mg have the mg5 uh mum drives that one and um i absolutely an i5 touring what a dream car that would be for family life to bung stuff in the back so spring 24 launch on that one so what we think we know is the electric estate will have two drive options the e-drive 40 with 250 kilowatt rear motor and the m drive X drives, so that's all wheel drive with 442 kilowatts of power. Same battery, obviously, it's going to be the same car. So 81.2 kilowatt hours. Maybe a difference in range. Uh, might be longer, might be shorter. We'll wait and see. The i5, which launches this weekend with rear wheel drive, is 582 kilometers on WLTP. It will also enter the US dealerships before the end of October. So that's the information that we have on the those two versions. The E-Drive 40, the M-Drive X, M60 X-Drive uh, versions arriving in the United States uh, by the end of October. The first ones were made in their Germany factory in July. I think the first vehicles arrived in Korea, which was an interesting global launch for BMW, but... Fantastic that uh, Europeans get them this weekend and my US listeners will be getting them uh, before the end of the month. Now, let's talk a little bit about, actually, I've talked about Neo. BMW have a, got a bit of news about how you'll buy future BMWs. And that is that they're set to pioneer uh, fresh sales blueprints in Europe, beginning with the Mini in Italy, Poland and Sweden. From January the 1st next year, you'll wake up on New Year's Day maybe with a bit of a sore head and a hangover, but you'll be able to go online and buy your BMW Direct, and or your Mini Direct, I should say. BMW will follow shortly after. It's a significant milestone doing the direct sales thing for BMW, focusing on Minis to begin with, like I say, in some select markets, with the dealers they have becoming the agency model throughout Europe, with uniform pricing for the same vehicle across any nation. Any customer, wherever they are, will see the same price, and that will be the price you pay. No dealer markups, but equally... No dealer discounts. And it's, an, it's a transformative shift for a company like BMW, digitizing the buying experience and using their dealers out there, like I say, as an agency model. 
They say that for the retailers, there is a pot of gold. Uh, The agency format guarantees, they say, a foundation for business operations. You can forecast better. It's a sweet deal, they say. Retailers get a fixed commission, and you still have to go and get your BMW from the dealer, even if you do an online sale. And, you know, there's obviously aftercare, customer care, things like that. But yeah, really interesting that uh, from 1st of January, uh, they'll start there with the mini brand to go direct sales. Now we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about VinFast and a big investment in the US power grid. That's a really important story that I think no one's picked up on. Stick around back in a second. Well, if you like your podcast ad-free, don't blame you. The free version of the podcast is ad-supported in places. You might you don't always get an advert, by the way. And if you do, it'll be localized for your IP address. So I get people in the US saying, I heard a Toyota advert for the hybrid. And I'm like, well, I don't control what adverts you hear. Uh, but uh, I get a few pennies from from that. And But all, you know, really, the, I, I make a living through Patreon. So thank you very much to everyone on that platform. And, and also, if I can ask you to share this podcast, because m- my marketing budget is zero. And so you are my marketing budget. If you want this podcast to grow, if you want more people to learn about electric vehicles, to spread the word, to fight the fossils, really easy thing you can do and that's just share this with somebody you know with a group with a facebook group uh with someone you know in who's into electric vehicles or who wants to learn friend or colleague and if you if you do use the apple platforms where you you know itunes and stuff like that where you can leave a review that's amazing as well because it all helps the algorithm push this further up the podcast charts for people to find it so if you end up on your iphone ipad itunes whatever and you happen to leave a little five star review saying nah he's not so bad then i'd really appreciate it and it helps us grow now let's talk a little bit about us ev sales hitting three hundred thousand in the last quarter that's an eight percent market share according to cox automotive as of september's end cumulative sales for the year was eight hundred and seventy three thousand. so the industry in the united states is on an amazing trajectory over a million ev sales for the first time i think they'll get it in november i think we'll hit the mill in November, we'll wait and see. It's not like there's going to be a fanfare or some fireworks going off because these aren't. You know, a lot of the figures are sort of pulled together from various sources. There won't be a definitive day, but either way, Kelly Blue Book gives an estimate uh, of Q3 saying they think 313,000 EVs were sold. That's a 50% hike on the same quarter from 2022. EVs were 8% of the US auto industry sales in the third quarter of the year up from 6.1 and uh, in the same month previous year. So it's on an upward trajectory and there's more inventory in dealer stock. There's more vehicle options. Tesla is still 50% of the market. You still need a way bigger choice of cars to buy in the US. I mentioned this the other day with BMW. I was oh, you know, I was saying to a US listener, oh, look at the BMW iX1 or the iX3. And they were saying, well, we can't get those cars here. Man, I thought you would do that. Perfect for the US market. But either way... Um, EVs uh, are on a rip all around the world and have been on a steady rise for 13 consecutive quarters in the US. Let's talk about BYD. You know, a lot of the criticism I hear of electric vehicles is, and even from reputable sources, will say, well, Tesla makes money from their EVs. They make good money as well. But 
everyone else is losing money on them. That's just not true. VW have always said, oh, we're profitable with the MEB platform from the very first car that rolled off the production line. BYD in China in the news today saying we make 1440 US dollars equivalent on every vehicle we sell. It's a robust business selling electric vehicles. The average profit for each vehicle was 10,500 RMB, about 1440 US dollars. And it's a good trend because that's on the way up as well for BYD. Uh, We'll talk Tesla maybe tomorrow on Friday um, or maybe a separate podcast, actually, from their Q3 earnings because it was weird. Like uh, the, the, the analysts that are the biggest fans of Tesla, one of them was on CNBC calling it a disaster. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. So I'll get my head around it. Uh, Elon Musk sounded tired and he sounded depressed when he talked about the Cybertruck and, and the usual, you know, uh, humpy pumpy, everything is amazing. This is great. Self-driving's arriving in the next two weeks. Uh, we have a robot building all the cars. All of that fluff and, and, and stuff that you get with Elon, which is all part of just, you know... <laughs> I think it's the show, but people get really upset because they think he's a con man. But um, it's just part of the show, isn't it? It's all part of the circus act that he does. Uh, None of that was there on the earnings call uh, last night with Tesla. He was down, pragmatic. It was all a bit uh, bit sensible, frankly. Um, I might do a a whole separate podcast on it because it was interesting. Uh, I didn't think it was a disaster. (laughs) That's all. There we go. Uh, Hyundai are next in the news. They're going to be venturing into the Middle East for their first ever car factory there, uh, which plans to use the complete knockdown, the CKD assembly method, where vehicles are exported in disassembled parts and pieced together locally and therefore sold as a local vehicle. Saudi Arabia doesn't offer EV subsidies, but speculation is right that the Saudi government will introduce them for locally manufactured EVs to stimulate a local electric vehicle market. And Hyundai are building a factory there that they think will be able to take advantage of those Saudi uh, subsidies, which could well be on their way. Vietnam's VinFast continues to confuse me. They keep talking about building new factories and selling hundreds of thousands of vehicles and doing a, you know, a public offering and they don't sell any vehicles. Uh, so I, I can't work it out. Either way, VinFast, uh, which is, aims to be a global player, and let's face it, is owned by someone who's billions and billions in the bank. So They're not going anywhere unless he wants to pull the plug on it. Um, Vietnam witnessed uh, 280,000 passenger car sales, for instance, last year in 2022. VinFast were selling locally last year. Uh, They sold 7,000 vehicles. So they can't even sell vehicles in Vietnam, where there's no real other EVs, actually. So they're one of the only choices, and they can't sell vehicles there. They have sold 11,000 vehicles this year so far, but most of those were to themselves, to a taxi company which Vin Group owns. After their NASDAQ debut in August, their market valuation surpassed Ford and GM, and the glory was short-lived after a considerable dip afterwards as well. We'll carry on watching VinFast for the amusement. And Li Auto, the Chinese company, have unveiled their Li Mega. I love it. They've actually called their people carrier, people mover, whatever you want to call it, the Mega. Uh, just call it, she's called it the awesome. What's your new car called? Oh, it's the awesome. So they've called it the Lee Mega. And uh, I, the best way I can describe it is, do you remember the Toyota Previa vehicle, which was a an MPV or a people carrier years ago? It looks like that, but with a flat back and, uh, and it's bigger and it's longer. But that's the best way I can describe it because it's got a smooth front 
but it's actually uh, but the the Previa was uh, it was a nineties vehicle, I think two thousands vehicle that we got at least, and it w- had a sort of a slopey back. This got like a straight down back. But hey, I love talking about electric vehicles that are in segments that are just a little bit weird and interesting, and this one certainly is the Mega from Lee, which is L-I, not L-E-E, as in my name. But the Lee Mega is going to be a big people carrier, and it arrives before the end of the year, I believe. And they've got big plans for their own supercharging stations and... uh, their own chargers and things like that, and and also some really very fast charging on those Lee Auto vehicles, like 5C, which is like a 12-minute stop, but fully understand all the technology under the skin there. Job for me to do when I get five minutes. Now, uh, I, I want to finish off by talking about a really important story which no one's touched, but I think it's, it's really interesting, and that is that the um, Biden administration this week took a big stride towards improving... The U.S.'s energy infrastructure by pouring funds into it. Now, the national grid here, we're a small island. And so we've got a very robust, well-designed, it was well-planned back in the uh, sort of the rollout of the high-voltage grid. Um, we've got a great national grid here. One company, it's a monopoly, but it's run so that it's not. And and it's uh, it does a great job. But the U.S. infrastructure, obviously, geographically, uh, is such a vast thing. So the Biden administration says, look, if you want EVs to happen, the grid has to be better. And they've just poured $3.5 billion in grant allocations into new wind, new solar, uh, reinforcing power lines against severe weather, integrating EVs and battery storage. They also said that if there's local state level funding as well that will match the federal funding the collective investment will be eight billion dollars now it's the largest ever investment in america's grid and the assortment of projects under the initiative is pretty vast there's half a billion dollars to modernize the grid to roll out battery storage uh, micro grids in places like georgia other endeavors have been awarded tens of millions uh, things certain projects that are tied to certain states or utilities or even some projects that span several states and whole regions. And so this is uh, much-needed money that is being spent and, like I say, largely underreported, but a really important part of making sure that when we charge our vehicles on renewables that have been stored and things like that, uh, that we're able to do that. And that's great. Right. Uh, Yeah, I will do a separate Tesla podcast and talk about why everything's fine there panic not uh the premium partners of this podcast thank you so much porsche of the village in cincinnati audi of cincinnati east volvo cars of cincinnati east national car charging on the u.s mainland and aloha charge in hawaii Derek riley from nevo.ie and the nevo ev review island youtube channel octopus electroverse global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance ev drivers need have a good one see you tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.